0: Welcome to Fucking Red Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Shred Jesus, and this is our fifth episode. So, yesterday was like the best day of my life, and somehow today was even better because of the snow. Like, oh my God, waiting for snow was so hard, and now having three feet of powder in my backyard is like the best thing ever. I'm sorry if you live on the East Coast. I know you're hurting. That sucks. We were there last year. But let me tell you, it gets so much better when the snow falls. It's the best thing ever. I was riding lines today that were steep, sunny, blower pow. Like, and I've been waiting for years now, two years, to just like go and do that. And I got to do them all. Untracked, it was like a oh, dream come true. And it was only marginally better than yesterday, which was still like one of the best days of my life. I had a plan to meet up with Mike Rankwit down at Baker. We didn't set a time or a place. So I'm like this at this huge resort looking around. There's eight different chairlifts he could be on. And I see a guy riding down all smooth. And I just like hop on the chairlift with that guy. And I'm like, you don't happen to know where Mike Rankwit is, do you? He's like, oh, yeah, he stayed at my house last night. He's riding with Tex over on chair one. And I was like, oh, my God. You're Jeff Fulton, dude. I've got a recorder in my pocket right now. Could I record this chairlift ride? And he said, "Sure." So that's today's episode. is actually yesterday on the chairlift with Jeff Fulton. So how did the MBHC come into existence?
1: Well, it was me and me and uh, my buddy Eric Swanson. Well, there's there's a crew of us. My parents, my parents owned a bike shop in Mount Vernon. Through them, I met these guys, uh, Tom Raven and Eric Gallison. And those guys introduced me to snowboarding, and um, through them I got all fired up and uh, ordered some boards into my parents' bike shop. But I couldn't get any of my skiing buddies to to go try out the snowboarding thing, you know? And so we had a BMX team, and Craig Kelly and Dano, and a few of those guys were on our BMX team, and I was the guy who had to drive them around because I was a little older. So I just grabbed them one day and said, you're gonna go up and go snowboarding with me because no one else will do it with me. And uh, kind of the rest is history from there as far as those guys go but then you know and that was early on and we weren't even really we were just up here hiking around because we weren't even allowed on the lifts yet and then we finally we approached Duncan and he allowed us to to ride the lifts and one day me and my buddy Eric Swanson were riding up chair five over there and uh we got off the chair and we were riding down under chair five down gobbles and it was blowing so hard that like we were, were like pointing straight downhill and barely going because the wind was blowing uphill so hard and the wind was blowing and starting. And we were like, man, this is hardcore. And then we we're like, yeah, no beaker hardcore. And that was, it was, that was it, you know. And then we just, we wrote it on our, I wrote it with a felt pin on my board. And uh, and then I did that. And then Eric Janko and Carter Turk were lifties and they ran Chair 6. And uh, they came and rented a board from my parents' shop because they saw us on them. And uh, they tried it out, and then, of course, then they became the next members of, of the NBAC, You know, besides, so, so the the core, the original core crew were like Craig, Dano, myself, Eric Swanson, and then Eric Janko, Carter Turk, and you know, and then more people came on came on after that, like Ranquit. And, what know, year the,
0: would that have been?
1: 83, I would say, is about when that happened. 83 or 84, because I was riding the. Very first Sims, swa- fifteen hundred FE swallowtail, Same. no edges, <laughs> and then that's another funny story I tell sometimes: the fact that uh, the very first Sims boards, if you see like pictures of Kidwell and those guys, and they, they have a gray like a gray bottom board with a black kind of a black stripe along the edge. All those, our guy, our friend, that uh, Eric Gallison, had connections at K two, so he was able to get ski edge stock and Ptex, and so. Tom would make all his boards, ship them up to Seattle to the bike factory shop. Those guys would router them out, lay in edges, glue in a piece of ptex. Oh my God! And then ship them all back to Tom, and then he'd ship them out to all the customers. That's incredible. And uh, that was like that went on for the first, like for two seasons until they figured out to you know pre-lay in edges beforehand. <laughs> but uh, for a while there, so any of those old photos you see where they're gray bottom board, especially like Kidwells and a few of those guys, you can tell the boards just by the. The black stripe run around, it's about you know quarter inch wide black stripe running along the edge because the only feetex you get from K2 was black. Yeah, so that's kind of a story. And Mike Olson, yeah, he's like the true mad scientist of, of snowboard. And it's funny because I remember running into him. We were hiking at down Snow Me or whatever, and I ran into him and his buddy. It was Pete and I think maybe the dude Mervin. And that was like before they even. They were just making their own boards. They hadn't really even come out yet. And there were these, we were on like Burton back, like the back hill of Burton Performer Experimentals, you know, the blue board with the white graphics. Yep. We were riding those, and then he had these boards, and those were like 150s or something, you know, they weren't very big. And he had these boards that were just freaking huge, super long snowboards, and then he had fins on the back, which Burton did, and then up on the nose, where it was real long, he had a couple fins up on the nose. So he was already thinking of, you know, like carving more than just fish turning, you know, which right. all the old boards, you know, that's the way we kind of did it, it was fish turn style, you know, and uh, so he was already kind of thinking about the carve, and then of course, Merman was the first one to come out with, like, I remember it was like, real side cutting, you know, like, carve, don't, don't slide,
0: you know, and Mike Olson probably... Affected snow sports more oh, than yes. any other person.
1: Yeah, I, I I think you're right. And he was also, you know, when everyone else was just sticking with standard procedures, he was the first one. Oh, well, Let's make a cat board. Let's see, you know, let's, let's yeah. make a hollow core. Let's try this. You know, he was willing to try anything. And this is the, you know, because he was in, hooked up or had connections at Boeing Aerospace, he had the ability to get all these elusive materials that other companies couldn't get their hands on. You know, and that's why he was experimenting with all these different things, you know, like, let's, you know, like, let's try UMFH sidewalls and, you know, all this weird stuff. That's the, how the whole lid thing came around, too, is, you know, when they, when they lost canoe that first time to whoever it was, I can't remember who bought canoe. Windline. Then. Windline, yeah. When they lost canoe to Windline and he wasn't willing to just let them keep, you know, and they were just like, oh, we're just going to make all the boards in Austria. You know, that's when all those crappy ones were coming out. Yeah. And uh, And they were like, well, we'll just make our own, we'll just start another company. (laughs) Yeah. Liberace Technology. And, And also, I love the fact that he was the one that, like, when snowboarding was like oh we have to grow up and we can't be like skateboarding we can't have skulls and blah 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 you know and so he did the full skeleton on the whole board he's like oh yeah yes we can yeah we can
0: stay as young as we want man this is our sport we can do whatever we want yeah I
1: I love that I love those guys and I I think that Mervyns is one of the coolest companies just for that you know still
0: now yeah yeah I agree so you've lived up here the whole time
1: I grew up in Mount Vernon right down the Skagit Valley and uh through snowboarding, slowly migrated up to Glacier and uh, lived up here for quite a while. And then, you know, back moved to Bellingham for a while because I uh, had to work, you know, do construction work and was there because I got tired of driving. And I kind of, I for a while there, I was uh, kind of, you know, just kind of took time off from snowboarding. I didn't snowboard much for a while in the early 2000s just because the mountain was kind of overrun. I was kind of bitter about it, you know, but then I just, I came to the realization that it's going to be busy, and now I just have to not, you know, not worry about people or traffic or the amount of people, and just go if they're going one way, just go the other direction because there's still plenty of stuff to ride up here. Oh, uh, maybe it just means I'm not getting as many runs down hairy, scary dolphies, you know, or you know, flying the wall or something. But I'll just go ride lower angle stuff if people are riding that. It kind of works out. It, it's even there's a faster cycle than even in skateboarding with snowboarding. It's really like the next, the newest and next flavor. But I see it, it's finally, in the last year or so, it's finally seeing, you know, now that it's getting old, you know, because it's such a young sport. Yeah. That it's finally, you know, getting old enough now that people are starting to look at the history a little bit and respect it a little bit more, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things like like D-Day, you know, coming around and doing stuff with Rankwood and and with uh, Chris Roach and stuff, you know. So and you know like Brian Magucci doing the Arbor board. I think love there's it. a there's a niche out there for that stuff, you know. And it you know even like Chris Roach and those guys. Chris had a, he had his own construction business here, basically. You know? I swung a hammer for fifteen years, but uh, so
0: I love that the love of the sport just brings everybody back to it. Though you just can't well,
1: you can't you know that's funny. If if you if you've snowboarded and you've ridden powder and you've ridden big mountains. You can't you you can you can put it away for a while, but you can't put it away forever because it's just being up here. For me, it's like this whole spirit. It's almost like a spiritual thing, you know. It's like it just makes me feel one with with the earth, you know. Like just being out here and just just cruising around, you know. enjoying it's nature, better. You know? It's, it's gorgeous.
0: Fucking rad shout outs this week to Dan Donnelly, Jeff Fulton, Mike Rankwit. Special thanks to Gwen Howitt from the Mount Baker Ski Area. You're the best. I had so much fun riding this week with Brett Tippy, Jamie Sherritt, Doya, Grady, and Kate, Andy, and Liam from Pacific Border, Jason Hilton from K2 and Ride Snowboards Canada, and Steve from Burton, Canada. Thanks for the hookups on the Cypress Passes, bro. That was awesome. And it was so much fun riding with all you guys. Most importantly, I want to thank my fiancé, Terry Lynn, and my kids. You guys have been so supportive this month, and I couldn't do this podcast without you. I love you all, and I love shredding with you guys. It's so much fun. Kurt Hine is selling his prized personal snowboard collection to pay his medical bills. That just does not seem right. So if you've got some money, just go on Facebook and and search out his GoFundMe and pledge some money to that shit. It's the right thing to do. FNRAD Rad's brought to you by BR Productions. And I'm inviting you back next week because we're going to have a whole new episode. Episode 6 kicks off the year 2016. Have a great week, you guys and girls.